Praise God. Welcome, everybody. You guys excited to be here today? God is here today, and we will not leave the same way we've come in today. Amen. Praise God. Um, today, we'll uh, continue uh, our celebration of the, the Feast of Tents. The, um, last week, uh, our pastor indulged us in some really good stuff, and today we'll hopefully... Uh, by the grace of God, we'll manage to squeeze out whatever remains in our fathers and mothers that were giving our tes their testimonies last week. Um, so we both, before we go into the, um, into the testimonials, just to give you a recap of what we've been discussing the past week, um, we're looking into the mandate that God gave the people of Israel, um, actually while they were in the wilderness, but the mandate was not necessarily for the people that were in the wilderness, but for the generation that will be, um, that would be birthed probably in the promised land, in their comfort zone. But God wants them not to forget where they came from. Because God's intention, um, we'll also see it in the text, is actually through reminding them of what God did for their fathers. He wants to introduce himself to them today. Um, so it's not, it's, not, it's not because God wants, you know, the generation to go out of their comfort zone. It's, it's not about creating an inconvenience, asking them to leave their tent, and to leave their homes and live in tents. But if we see the text, actually, um, he says, make this a lasting ordinance. And he tells them, live in temporary shelters for seven days. So, and, and says, Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. But I like what he, how he concludes. He says, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. His ultimate goal is to introduce himself as their God to that generation. Amen. So as you look back, what, what I did for your fathers, I am also introducing who I am to them and to you. That is the significance. So God reveals himself to every generation in their own way. Amen. Amen. So even last week, we were the testimonials we've been hearing from Amma, Emma, and Abba, and Gashialo was that was the testimony of how God revealed himself to them in their times that is one way but the other way God always uses to, in, to introduce himself to the next generation is actually by connecting them to the past that is the value of what God is trying to do here that is the essence of celebrating this holiday he wants them to look back so I keep just imagining as they're celebrating, you know, that everybody's in their tents. And, you know, I just, I, I, I keep celebrating, you know, just thinking that, you know, um, in Africa we do these uh, fireside chats. You know, we're very oratory, right? We don't, like, write our stories. Um, and, and so, you know, I just keep imagining, like, grandfathers and fathers and then, their children and the grandchildren sitting around the fire and, you know, asking, you know, why are we, why are we doing this? 
dad, mom, you know, can you imagine? And why, why, and, and then they would go answer, you know, we, we didn't have permanent homes when we left Egypt. And they would ask, you know, where is Egypt? Why were you in Egypt? And then how did you get out of Egypt? Can you imagine? You know, how was Egypt like? And you mean like God did this, this, this and got you out? It's like, wow. Can you imagine? And that is God slowly through those stories introducing himself to the new generation. Through the mighty deeds that he did for their fathers and their forefathers. Let me show you. Let me add one more thing that, so that we can actually understand the actual significance of this. In the time of Joshua, if you go to um, chapter 4, um, right when they were about to cross the Jordan River and enter the promised land, God gives them another ordinance and he tells them, choose 12 men from each tribe representing the 12 tribes and he said have them carry stones from the middle of the Jordan River and make sure that they set it up by the time you cross the Jordan River make sure that those stones are set up so while I am doing this miracle for you now make sure that you leave a lasting testimony a lasting sign not for you you are seeing what has happened. You are experiencing it. But make sure you take some sign, some sign across the river for the coming generation. Because again, I'm going to use that to introduce myself to them. So he told them, set up those stones so that that generation, when they see those stones, they will ask. Why these stones? Why these stones? And then he, he, the, he, he tells them, tell them how I opened the flooded Jordan River and how you crossed over to the promised land. Because that testimony is what I'm going to use to reveal myself to their generation in their time. You might not even be around to tell them that story, but these stones will be there. And when they, tell, when they see these stones, they will remember who I am. And who I was to you. Amen. So today if we even may sub-theme our message today. We can even call them stones. So today what we're doing is we're going we're gonna to invite precious people here. And set up the stones. Amen. So that we and the coming generation will look at these stones. And remember who God is and what he can do. Even for us today. Amen. Because in the book of Judges. Um. If you see um, in Joshua 2, the Bible says that in the time of Joshua and the fathers that were there that experienced God's miracles, the Bible says that they worshipped God. They worshipped God because they experienced and they actually had first time, first hand experience of the miracles and wonders that God did. But if you read further down, then it says, there, Then there came a generation that did not know the Lord, nor what God did for their fathers. Because the stones were absent. There was nobody to point to the stones. So the coming generation had nothing to remind them of who God is. And it says, they lost their way and they began to worship the gods of the time. And in the book of Judges, it also said that everybody did what was pleasing in their own eyes. There was no value 
There was, there was, there's, there was no point of, 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 of reference for them on how to live. So God left them to their own desires. Kind of sounds like the times that we're living now, right? Everybody does whatever. So if it seems right for you, then it is right. If it doesn't, well and dandy. I can't tell you, right, what is right and what is wrong. Because there's a bridge that needs to be gapped here. God is missing in the equation. There are no stones, so a generation is left without God. What do these stones mean? That's why God commends Abraham and says, Abraham will surely be great. In fact, I guarantee that he will be a blessing for many generations and I will fulfill every promise I've told Abraham. Because, he says, because he is intentional in teaching his children and his children's children to follow in the ways of the Lord. Stones. It's not just because I promised him greatness. But it's because he's diligent in making sure that the generation that precedes him are in line with God's thoughts and in God's ways. He will surely be great. Because he knows one thing. He knows this. The importance of setting up the stones. So that his children and his children's children do not forget who God is. Amen? Amen? So even today we're believing for a visitation. We're believing that in these last days. That's what I believe. It's not doom and gloom. But we're believing for the visitation of the Lord. Amen? In these last days we will see... The glory of God revealed. Amen. In our homes, in our church. Amen. In our nation. But this is an important equation. If we look at Isaiah 60. You know, the, the, the scripture that we all love. It says, arise and shine. Right? For your light has come and the glory of the Lord will shine upon you and nations will come. Right? And the plunder of nations will come. But he says, the, the, the scripture says something um, very interesting. I think it's in, um, in verse 4 or 5. Um, it says, look around you and see. It says, raise your eyes and look around. They will gather and come to you. It says, your sons will come from far away. And your daughters will be carried on their hip. So it is saying that the glory will come, the visitation will come, but it says your children will gather with you, your sons will gather with you. So it's the gathering that induces the coming of the glory. When we scatter, the glory is delayed. But when the gathering happens, the glory is hastened. It is eminent. So I think God is up to something. He's setting us up for the coming glory. Amen. Because now we're going to sit together. And we're going to hear the testimonies of what God did in the past generation. Amen. So that we are in line with, God, with what God has started in the past generation. Amen church. So are we ready to set up some stones today? Praise God. So let me, without further delay, let me call up Abba and Emma, Gashialo and Sophie to join me here on stage. And we will have part two of what we have started today and we'll continue our Q&A. Please give them a hand as they come forward.
And we have the next generation on stage already. Come on, somebody. Yes, grab the microphone. Praise God. Welcome once again. Um, thank you uh, for availing yourselves to us and uh, being willing to share your stories today. So this is our fireside chat. And uh, we are curious to learn some more. So uh, last week, we, I think we have managed to touch um, and see how you all found Jesus and how God encountered you um, and then how God empowered you with his spirit and with the fire of God. So today we, we want to continue then what happened next and how did that impact your society, your friends, your neighbors um, and you know how did your ministry go out of that. Um, so uh, we, I, I will ask questions as a couple today. So first um, I want to give Emma the chance to actually share um, how it was like after that divine moment when you encountered the Holy Spirit in that hostel with, with those women. And then so how did that then, how did that God use, um, how did he use it to impact your friends and your family? And then eventually how did it grow into the ministry that we all now see? So if you can give us those pointers because you guys have gone around the world and I know that there are significant things that God has done um, wherever you went. So if you can just give us those pointers more. Okay. Before I go to the testimonies, I want to talk one thing. What changed me? I was just sitting down and thinking. As a young teenager, I used to have a challenge in my mind, thinking, who am I? Where did I come from? Where am I going? Constantly this was in my mind. I never shared it to anybody because I was scared they would think I'm crazy, you know? And it was so deep, it was bothering me so much. And uh, I don't know how, but through the revival that the Holy Spirit was literally shaking the land, you know, the same time, touching teenagers. Nobody was above 20 except two that I know in this revival. Everybody was 18, 17, 16, 18, uh, up to 19, something like that. But the Holy Spirit fall all over the province at that time. It's called province, 14 provinces, and just fire, 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 fire. It touched me. I, I could say I'm the second, you know, to follow. There was... There was the first, and then I was the second uh, touched, and she was also the second touched by this fire. So what touched me was the love of God. I didn't know that was my need. I understood his love. He touched my heart. I was ready to live and to die for this God. His love answered the question that I have about life. Uh, I could say I was a spoiled girl, I was popular, I was loved by my father, and the relatives, because they loved him so much, they also loved me, so, so many things. But there was this void no man's love can fill, but only the love of God. So what I want to share to the generation, young people, if you are around, I hope you will hear me, is when you understand how much God has loved you through Jesus Christ, it will answer every question that you have in life. Let me read from uh, Romans 8. For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, to separate you, to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our love. So this truth I witnessed through this revival. Uh, I remember when there was a revival in Bahadar, and at that time I was with my family, and they would, I, know, I was not allowed to, uh, to go anywhere else, so when they go, we send them off. When they came so quickly, we, we, we went to welcome them. I said, why did you come so quick? Oh, there was a severe persecution. When we enter the hall, everybody's lying with a big, uh, you know, turban kind of thing in their head, uh, some kind of blood all over some of them. I mean, just beaten to death almost. And we were so shocked. But these people who were beaten, they were not crying or they were not sad. They were saying hallelujah, rejoicing and all. And then there were two girls, Lishan, who was our friend, and another one, Sahai, who is in uh, Eastern Europe now, they both are crying. I said, oh my goodness, theirs is not being seen. There is no bandage or anything. Maybe, you know, they kicked them in their kidney or in, inside something. So I said, what happened? Why are you crying? Why did they hit you? She said, no, I was not, nobody hit me anything. If God loved me, I would have been beaten like them. <laughs> crying because they did not, they were not beaten and broken anywhere because this much the love of God touched us and make us crazy. So I love my family from a big family, 17 uncles and aunties, my grandparents uh, in Managasha, Marcos Church, that's where we all grew. I mean, we had fun every summer when we go, about 20 of teenagers. I mean, I have amazing family love uh, relationship. And uh, they were like my heroes, all of my uncles and aunties and all that. Then, when they found out that I was reading a lot of Bibles and praying, they could not believe it because this revival is announced almost every day through the media. Be careful. This cult is covering the land. Watch your children and all and on and on how evil it was. And so, did you go there? That's why you are reading too much. That's why you're closing your room too much. Did you go there? Did you go there? Did you go there? So my uncle was attorney general at that time. So he asked me like a thing that was scared to be asked. And he said, Holy Communion is very highly respected in the Orthodox uh, Church. And say, he just turned and said, tell me truth. Did you, are you taking Holy Communion with this group? I heard they are doing that. They are uh, like uh, not treating this holy thing right. I said, I kept quiet and said, no, tell me. Have it. And that was the first day I took that Sunday. So I said, he turned around. He just gave me hard, what do you call it, this uh, slap with his backhand. And literally, I felt something cracking in my nose and bleeding. 
He opened the, the car is going. I know the spot to this day. Throw me out. Everything was in the floor. I have to collect my stuff. And when I woke up with the blood holding like this, there was a Christian girl's house nearby. I went there. They thought it was uh, Nusser, what do you call Nusser, uh, bleeding nose. Huh? Nose bleeding. They didn't think I was hit. And they were telling me, be like this, put ice and all that. I knew, I, could, I was embarrassed to tell my uncle did that to me. So they counseled me for a year, warned me, beat me. At the end of the year, they gave me a big letter. You are casted out of this family. You don't belong to us anymore. When I received that, God just picked me up. He became my father, my counselor, my glory, my joy, my everything to this day. I can't tell you all what he has done for me. So the miracle, I was completely healed of that confusion in my mind. Completely supernaturally he healed me. Then he blessed me with this amazing man. I thought I was... <laughs> I thought I was called as a sing to live a single so this was there, we were living together, and there were others, and so I was saying, we should not be married. And the, the, some of my friends who have boyfriend, I said, come on, stop this, because we are married to Jesus. You know, your God shall be your husband. I read them Isaiah 54 and said, no boyfriend, no fiance, no Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So I was preaching that the whole time, so when he came, he was a leader. I thought, actually, when they pray, and he was also singing and the ministering, I thought they will spend the whole time in heaven, come back to minister on earth on Sunday and Saturday and Thursday. This is what we feel. So it's a long story, but when he asked me, I was shocked. But the goodness of God, I have seen a year before a dream. I will not go there. And uh, so he was a gift for me, and I thank God for that. <laughs> Wonderful gift for me. Then we finished here, persecution, I can't tell you. I just want to talk about two women who have beautiful hair up to here. And during the uh, imprisonment, they wanted to shave all these you know, spirit-filled believers to separate them from other prisoners, everybody was supposed to be shaved. So they put chairs there and with, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, shaving thing they used. I think a knife or something, I don't know. And so when they asked, come, the first running and sitting on that seat was those two girls who have hair up to there to do it for Jesus. The love of Jesus, when you understand it, when it touches you, you will be so excited to pay anything for him. And so, they, yeah, you can give him praise because let this love, let this love touch us. Let this love touch us. So after that, we went to Singapore. That's where uh, Misu wanted me to. When we went to Singapore, the school was against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when Beta gave the first day, when we arrived in the school in Singapore, uh, he, we were the only first Africans or black students in that school. So when he gave a testimony, he talked about the Holy Spirit. And that just put us like 
they were against Holy Spirit baptism, signs, wonders, speaking in tongues, they were against it. So from that time, the whole year we suffered. Like, they will touch, don't sit with them. Don't listen to what they, don't touch them. Like, they are not right because they are speaking in tongues and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. The next day, David Walton, I don't know if any of you know him in England. He has written books. He's the one who started the revival in Anglican church. He took a dead Anglican church with six people, and then he turned it to 6,000. And the book was written about him, and it was just shaking London. So this man was invited in our school. So he came, and he, he spoke everything that Beta gave a testimony about, about speaking in tongues, about signs and wonders. The book of Acts can work now. So everybody started looking at us. We became superstars the next year. Everybody said, can you pray with us? Sophie, can we come? Better, can we come? So in that way, that school was changed to accept the power of the Holy Spirit. From there, we went to America. Gordon Conwell Seminary in Massachusetts. There was no spirit-filled church. We were going around and around. Actually, the school was against it. So we started a fellowship with other white American uh, brothers. And about 40 of us, every Friday, we fast and pray, and Holy Spirit started shaking that environment. After that, we went to Witten College. Witten College was so hard. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking tongues, this is evil. And 40 churches around us, they were not accepting it. But there was one charismatic church who, who were practicing the, the Holy Spirit, and we went there, we joined, we loved it. After that, that church in 70s, this is like 74, 75, I have never experienced love like I experienced it in that congregation. You know, it's all white American church, middle class, were the only blacks, like uh, salt and pepper, later on they also came. But the love they poured for us, it was supernatural. So we were uh, immediately, he was 20 something years old. He became the assistant pastor of that church. The senior pastor was like, love, I cannot tell you how much he loved us. Man of God, whoever touches us is like touching his eyes. I mean, nobody will talk about color. Nobody will talk about our accent. Nobody can criticize and say anything and stand in the face of the, the pastor. So God gave us favor in that church around. He, he was number one charismatic conference speaker in that area. He will speak in television. He was in major Christian magazines. He gives us his testimony. He testifies about the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, we had six boys that we were given, six young boys, to lead a young people's fellowship. It grew up, these are witnesses, to 120 every Friday in our house, packed to be touched by the Holy Spirit, to be taught of the love of God and to fellowship. We have seven missionaries came out, out of that fellowship. This, we have to give glory to God. I mean, this is... This is when black and white issue was so high in America. But the Holy Spirit broke through. 
I remember I was ministering to one girl, and when she graduated, the mother and the father came. She, because she always said, Sophie prayed for me. Sophie helped me. She, she has a, a depression, and she was really healed through our prayers. So the mom and the father in the graduation day, they came with a gift to our house. The house itself is a supernatural. They, it was given free. A beautiful house was built for us and given us. And when she came, knocked the door, when I opened, I said, hi, Sophie. And then Jenny is a girl. She came and hugged me and she said, the mother was so upset. You never told me she's black. <laughs> she was so upset. And she said, mom, that doesn't matter, the girl said. And so it was like that. The Holy Spirit broke through race differences through us in that community. We give God the glory. We give God the glory. You know? Uh, let me jump quickly to uh, with Uncle Lizen. Uh, the Lord spoke to us to come to Kenya. In Kenya, over 20,000 refugees were f- just, just in the streets, thrown for hunger and death. We were burning four or five people every day one time. And so immediately we opened a feeding program, 100 people every day, they come and eat. But every time before they eat, we give them the gospel for 15 minutes. So thousands of them came to know the Lord, a revival of the Holy Spirit. We pray till two in the morning, casting out demons, teaching. Uh, we will go to Tika in the morning, come to Isli. Come. I mean, running Sunday from area to area to preach the gospel. God gave us a harvest. Most of them are now scattered from Sydney to Australia, from San Francisco to Australia, opening churches, helping churches, leading media, being in the choir. I mean, wherever we go for different conferences, they are all around us because our children are scattered all over the world. And that the Holy Spirit did. Quickly, the Lord told us to come to Ethiopia. Before, when we came, it was, the church was pathetic. I mean, it really, the voice was not heard, a small mic, and, you know, just, just. So the Lord told us to open a church. We came quickly, invested thousands of dollars to invest in the movement of Guayaxaber at that time. Uh, what was the name? Uh, Assembly. Assembly, assembly, assembly. And people were flooding. How many? In four or five years, 25,000 people registered who gave their life to Christ. So we were doing that from Kenya. Like every two months, three months, we come and give leadership on the phone. We were leading that. I'm glad Alma was sitting (laughs) in front of me. This is Alma, who was from that moment, he was with us. And he said, uh, this thing, I don't think it will, it's good to do it with a remote control. You guys either come. I mean, it was like shaking the area. I mean, it was just amazing. People will line up for hours to come in. I mean, it's just an amazing thing. So he said, this thing, I don't think you can do it with a remote control. You guys have to be, because... You know, the glory was so big, the money was so big, the crowd was so big, the population, the popularity was so big. So we have uh, 12 people that we have sent who were saved in the campus and brought them here. So anyway, it was, it didn't go 
as long as we want it. So anyway, uh, because of the misunderstanding, the only opportunity we have is either to go to court or to resign. And the Holy Spirit told us, resign. So we ran that, we went back, shake our dust from Kenya. Again, he will tell you what happened. Now we are here in Beza, taking the nation in righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Incredible. Thank you, Emma. Uh, yes, Gashialo. So, um, um, you know, we've heard the encounters, the ministry, um, the incredible journey you had since that encounter. Uh, but you were sharing something very interesting in the earlier service to the young people, and um, I just want to ask you to do the same. Uh, two things. One, um, what lessons can we take? Now, we've heard of the glorious ministry, the strengths. What, what, what pointers do you have for, to share with us? Maybe from your mistakes, for instance. What lessons you think we can draw lessons from? And second, what, what do you have in your heart right now? What, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind um, to this generation, to upcoming leaders of the church, or in general, just young people in the ministry and the marketplace? Can I sing a song, just a chorus, before I do that? <laughs> I don't know why, but Jesus loves me. I don't know why he cares. I don't know why he sacrificed his life. Oh, but I'm glad. I'm glad he did. Praise God. I think, I think the Lord wants me to, to share some other points at this time. Uh, do, do you guys know your name before you came to Christ? This is everybody's the same. Everybody has the same name. First name, last name, then in Amharic, father name, your name, father name, and your aunt, um, grandfather's name. Okay. Do you know? Do you know who the, what they are? Everybody has the same name, spiritually speaking. Do you know? Nobody knows? Don't tell me that, please. Okay. No? Shall I tell you? First name is I. Middle name is me. Last name is mine. Don't tell, I mean, you can't, you can't say, well, this is not mine. Everybody has the same name. How do I know? The Bible tells me. Did Eve or Adam did any sin? Did they kill anybody or murder or stole? What did they do? Huh? That's where sin came from, right? That's where it started. What? What? What did they do? Fruit? Fruit eating? What do you mean? God condemns people because they ate fruit? Come on now. Huh? What did? What did the Lucifer tell Eve? What did he tell her? You'll be like him. Forget him. Did he say, ah. That is what is the problem with all of us. I mean, without the Lord. Even after we came to Christ, you know, this issue, I mean, mind. What's the issue between a husband and wife? I know and you don't. Come on. 
argument. What? What? Why do people argue? I know, and you don't. <laughs> Is that not what's between color, race, economy, politics, the whole thing? I mean, my. That's why Jesus died to set us free from that. That's it. I am Paul. Paul got it. He was. He thought he was a big shot, right? He was, you know, persecuting Christians, and he hated Jesus. But then when he saw the light, you know what did he say? I'm crucified with Christ. I, the I, that I, that says I, me, I know, and I don't, you know, I, I am big shot. You know, that I, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's what set us free. That's what we're talking about now. Everything my, my sister was sharing how much she loves the Lord. How God poured his love into her. It's because that's why Jesus came. Because he loved us. And he wants to bring us back into his kingdom. He created us for himself. Revelation. I, I, you see, don't allow me to continue because I can go. <clears throat> Shall I start or it's okay? <laughs> so... So this is, let me say this. You see, the thing is, our name has changed now. We're not, you know, I'm not a big shot. You see, we are crackpots. You know what crackpot is? In, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, the father says, he wants to reveal his son because this treasure is in this earthen vessel. The treasure is what's the, who is the treasure? Jesus. Who is the who is the pot? You and me, right? What has to happen to the pot for the treasure to be seen? Huh? Broken. And that's why the Lord wants to bring allows some suffering, something in our life, so that we can break. So the you know so it's, yeah. You remember Paul? I mean, I, I don't want to go too much to it would be. Uh, I mean, okay, so what I want to share with you guys is what does the enemy comes to steal? You see, our name has been changed. So it's not I, me, mine now. It is Christ in me, okay? Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's no more I, it's him in me. You see, what makes, what differentiates uh, Christian Life, what God came to give us life from other religions. This is what, what it comes. You see, it says, I in him, what happened to me? I became righteous before God. He made, who knows, no sin. Jesus has no sin. But he made him sin for us, for me, so that we can be the righteousness of God. You can't do things. I mean, religion says, do, do, do. It's a do, do thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, how many days did you fast? 12, I'm 13, I'm better. So religion is just about doing. Doing comes after being. See, you can't have, you see, if you put doing ahead of being, you're putting the cart before the horse. It doesn't work. That's what religion is. But Jesus said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And that is what he did. He comes. Hallelujah. 
That's what we got when I was in high school. I was in 10th grade. I was a oh, crackpot. You know, I was, I was very mischievous, naughty. Very, very mischievous. And if I tell you that, you say, Yalo, you did all that? Okay, you did all that? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no. I go to prison on Friday back in the States, and I tell these guys, nobody can match me. I tell them, what did you do? Uh, no, I won't tell you that. <laughs> but just put it just in a, just a blanket statement. Nobody can match me. Mischiefs, naughtiness, whew. but Jesus found me. When did he choose me? When did he choose me? Before the foundation of the world. He knew. Does he know that I was a crackpot? I was mischievous, naughty? Yes. And still he chose me. And he said, I'm going to change him, transform him, and I'm going to show myself through him. See? How? Even Paul. Paul. When, did, when was Paul chosen? From his mother's womb. Galatians 1.15. See? See how God is? Look at yourself. You see? Do we deserve his death? I mean, his love? No. But grace. Grace. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. That's how God expresses his love to us. So amazing thing. You see what? The enemy comes. The enemy comes. Who are we now? We are in Christ. We are. What, what does the Bible say in, in Revelation 5? You have been slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus. He's been slain from the world. And then you made us kings and priests for our God. Woo! <laughs> we will be. You see? It's not yet appeared what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. This is the promise. You know what the devil does? He comes to steal. What does he want to steal? To take away this from us. And he says, I'll give you, I'll make you rich. You know, I'll make you a big prophet, you know, even religiously, even in the church. You know, I am Pastor Yellow. Let me pray over you. I mean, you know what he wants is, what kind of, what did he say he wants to teach us? In Matthew eleven twenty-eight? 28, what did he say? Come and learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly, and you shall find rest for your souls. You see, learn. let's get yoked together. How many oxen do get yoked together? How many? Two. So him and I. You see, he wants to teach us. You see how Jesus is? My goodness. I love him, you know. I, I, you know. And so, and then, who, you see, who we are, the devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. What? He says, I will make you soul, so I will make you, I will make you rich. I will do this for you. You know, to, to steal from us. But we, we have, we're going to be kings and priests forever. We're going to reign with Jesus a thousand years on this planet. So he wants to steal to us. That is why he comes to us. Do you know? And that, you know, what I'm sharing now to you is what I, what my Lord Jesus set me free with. So, I, you know, he, he, he shows us this. So, you see who, who was Jesus? He came to Jesus and he said, why don't you change this stone to bread? He says, told him, it's about you. Just make yourself happy, man. Forget everything else. No, he says, man shall not live by bread alone. And then secondly, he told, he told him, what did he tell him? 
come out. Let me take, took him up on a high hill and then fly over. And he quoted a scripture to him. The angels were going to keep you, protect you. But then look at him. So wouldn't that be amazing? Jesus came to show people. Look at him. Man, anybody, ha anybody has seen anybody flying like a bird? See, it would be wonderful. But Jesus said, hey, what did he say to him? What did he say? You don't know what he said? When he said he's going to gonna throw yourself down and the angels will keep you? What did he say to him? What did Jesus respond? What was his response? Huh? What? Tempt. Yes. You see? You see how that is? The whole point is to steal from him who he is. He's God. But you see, even, even him, he tries. And then later on, he took him up on him and showed him all the kings of the world. The devil is rules this up to a point. He's on a, you know, on a leash. It's like a dog on a leash. I mean, he can't do anything he wants. But now, but God is amazing. You know, these two guys came to, in prison. They came to me and they said to me, Yalo, why doesn't he get rid of Satan? He's bothering us. He's, he's tempting us. He's trying to, why doesn't just Jesus, God just slap him, trash him and throw him away. So then we don't have any problem. And I said to them, the Lord gave me the word. And I said, how come he didn't trash you and throw you away? Hmm? Are we righteous? Huh? Look at us. Hmm? So, so praise God. So what he did was, you see, we are kings and priests and he comes to steal from us. Brothers and sisters, never allow him. You know, money. You see, the three things, the three loves in the last days are going to be love of self, Love of money, love of pleasure. Those are in 2 Timothy 3, you'll find it. So the enemy comes always to take who we are away from us, steal from us. We are kings and priests. We belong to God. We're his kids. So don't allow him. Praise God. Thank you, Gashalo. Let me just give a chance to uh, Tia Sophie. Anything you want to add, especially uh, any, any words of wisdom for the young woman here? from your experience in the past. Hallelujah. Yes. Praise God. God is good. Yeah, uh, as uh, all of us in the same boat when we were back then. Uh, so God is good now. We are in our 17s. At that time, we were teens. So he grew up in so many things, in so many ways uh, to be this fair Christian, you know, according to our age, we are not up there, but still he's patient, loving. That's why we are here. Yeah, what I want to say to them, they are so blessed because they have fam Christian families. They pray for them, they pray with them, they teach the word of God, and they are really up to their children where they will going. Our parents, they try to discourage us not to go to the church. They said there was, a, I don't want to say anything about that, but they really demonize in our, our fellowship, our everything. But God is good. He kept us more against the odds and he blessed us. He grew up, he make us really people of him. All, uh, I really appreciate that God is uh, patient, loving, and uh, also he really used us 
is to have testimonies for others, you know, how to bring them to Christ. And some of them are really, those who I just witness about Jesus, some of them are pastors. And, you know, some are just big there. Praise God, I will just say something and then God uses them. That's a little thing every, in every street when you go with past traps and they, you tell them that God loves them. And invite young students, they love the song and they come to the chapel. That's how those people are coming to the chapel because of the song and the prayer and the love. That happens also, we grew in little things. God used us, we have been witnessed the same and little and big. Uh, and they went to the, the Philippines, and the, the Philippines are also they're, they're Catholics. They don't want, over in here we are called Pentes. Over there they're born again. So the, when I'm witnessing, and the first thing they asked me, what's your religion? So I have, you know, I learned that if I said born again, that's no, no. In there, I told them just, you know, um, I just follow the I just follow Christ. That's what the Bible says. I said. Uh, they said we are Roman Catholics. Uh, still, they wanted who from where I am, and still I keep on telling them I'm a follower of Christ. The first one lady was in, by the ocean, and she came to me, and I told her that, and she wanted to bring some of her friends, and then I they read the Bible in their language in the Philippines. They have, like us, there are so many uh, ethnic groups. And then, and she said, um, can I bring my husband? And they were gonna tell him. And she brought her husband and uh, the main witness to him. And that's, uh, the first Sunday she moved us to her place, she said, I am poor. I just, we are living in the shack, but we have beautiful view, white sand, and then would you come? And we went there, and she brought all the people around her and her relatives too, and witness for, for those people. And then within a few time, and there was a little church. She wanted her, she, her house to be a church and to bring, friends, and uh, she, when we gave her Bible, and she took to the village, they don't, just like us, it is a remote area, she has traveled to carry her Bible to witness to her relatives and friends, and they, they came. Then we stayed for a few time, for how many months, and then we came back to, we went back to America. And then that starting from that lady, it is a big church now. So uh, that's <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Philippines. Things like that, we just a little, we, we just here and there a little seed. God just saw that, growing that. Yeah, that's, uh, and then for my young people, I want to say that God uses us in different ways. Nobody knows. Everybody's not going to the same place, the same way, the same. So God will gonna use you, but like us, you have He grows you in His own way, in different places, in different directions. But also, you are so blessed because you have Christian family, and they pray for you, and they teach you, and they're also willing whatever you share with them to help you with that. 
also the church is in trying in so many different ways to teach you the Bible, the way of the Lord, and to love others, and to witness, and um, to be a gentleman and a gentle lady. <laughs> and then it continues till Jesus comes, so the generation will be like that. Okay, that's all I think. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. By the way, Gashialo sings. Actually, Abba and Gashialo actually used to sing. So those pictures that you're seeing is from the old days. Is that the, the gospel something choir? This is the full gospel. This, this is the full gospel. Uh, anyways, as we come to the conclusion, I want to give uh, Abba the chance to also share something. So Abba, you know, Emma said you will continue post Nairobi, now redeeming nations in righteousness. Where did that come from? Where was that birthed? Um, maybe you can share that and then draw us into a conclusion before we close in prayer. One of the greatest joys of humanity is learning from your mistakes. If you don't learn from your mistakes, you are in a big trouble. Many times we think we improve ourselves by going to school. Honestly, uh, even before you do that, right in the ups and downs of the human life, the struggles, uh, I think that is the best platform to make you the man and the woman God wants you to be. They told you a little bit, I mean, we came back after 35 years living outside. And uh, while we were outside, we were very active. I mean, all over the world. There were times where I traveled six months of the year. I was on the plane. <laughs> so there hardly any place what I have not seen. Or, and uh, so we came, I mean, living in Nairobi, as our, our second home. We lived longer there probably than anywhere else. And we started uh, work. Uh, immediately after the communist government uh, left and another system of government was in place, we came back and we thought a Bible school is what is needed in this country. So uh, we bought a big building still alive in town. We started Bible school. Many, many of the current leading church leaders were graduates from that school. But you know, many of you know, it, in a very short five years, six years time, it really became a movement that shook the whole nation. But probably we did not realize it was, at least from our vantage point, was a wrong foundation that was laid. And so we still did not leave our, our uh, uh, running an organization out of Nairobi, Kenya. So we went back, resigned, left everything, never to come back to this country. It's very, very sad, very heartbreaking. I mean, when you've seen really covered the whole nation, and those of you know who are Ethiopians, what happened with that movement. But to really see that destroyed, we invested a lot. All our 40 years relationship outside the country was invested in that movement. And it fizzled out. Discouraged, despondent, Went back to Nairobi. We lived in Nairobi. We have a home in Nairobi, and left this country, cursing this land 
never to come back again. That's precisely what we did. She had gone a little bit earlier because she's a lot more wider. I tried to tolerate the pain and it even became more painful. And I think that pain that really hurt me to the point of cursing my own land and never to come back again. I pray that you never go through that kind of a bitterness or a bitter experience in your Christian experience. It's not worth it. To get into it is very easy, but to get out of it, ooh, how many people do you have to forgive? How many memories you have to really remove? Difficult. So I left that way anyway, bitter, disappointed, discouraged, never to come back. And so a lot of a few years passed by. Uh, three a.m. in the morning on a Saturday night. And each one of you have an experience of God speaks to you. God spoke to me. He showed up in the middle of the night and said, what are you doing here? And I started to recite all the bad experience that I have had. <laughs> and that's why I'm here. God never answered my questions or my concern. I know he heard me, but he, you know, have you heard, seen God? He, you ask him a question, he bypasses that and tells you something else. Said God spoke to me clearly. He said, go back and the nation is going to be redeemed in righteousness. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> this was Saturday night at 3 a.m. in the morning. Sunday, we went to church. Monday morning, I called our president. Our, our headquarters was in Colorado Springs. I called Peter Bradley and I said, Peter, I'm resigning. <laughs> By that time, I had put 25 years with this organization. I was very loved and respected. So Peter could do that. What, what's happening? What are you talking about? I said, I'm resigning. And I didn't want to go into the details. I said, because you know how persuasion, discussion is opening up. I said, uh, I just told him letters to follow. I wrote a letter. This was Monday morning. Tuesday morning, on Kenya Airways, my wife and I came here to Addis Ababa. I've never returned. This is 16 years now. Uh, now, one of the things I said earlier is, if you don't learn from your mistakes, that is really a very bad omen. <laughs> I remember I was so, as soon as the Commons government left, I thought, well, I knew what the nation needed. I mean, church Planting, this is what I have heard. Missionaries and all other people. Coming to Africa, people were, I'm going to open a church or have a training seminar. So that's how I started. I mean, church, I don't know how many churches Alima would know. Many churches were established. Bible school was established. I mean, many students were coming. That's all I knew. But this time I learned. I was not quick to ask the Lord how or to do anything on my own. I said, Lord, I'm willing to go back. But how do I start? I don't want to fail again. And you know, God graciously spoke to me. Just do 
what I started out to do, to redeem the nations through my son, Jesus Christ. You know what Jesus did? When he came, he did not come to establish churches or to set up denominational organizations. He did not come with that idea. You all know, the first word he came and announced, the kingdom of God has come. He talked about the kingdom. Not about denomination. He did not talk about planting churches. Rather, he was planting his life in the life of people. That's exactly. I said, but how do you go about? So we don't plant churches. He talked about the kingdom of God. And he said, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is with you. The kingdom of God is in you. That is how we started. As much as I did not know anything about it, I was not really uh, eager to start something just for the sake of starting something. So the two, we don't have, in Beza, as you know, we don't have uh, uh, statements of faith. We have two core values. One is the authority of the word of God in life and practice. We live and die for the authority of the word of God. Two, a relationship. A relationship gives you ministry. Ministry does not give you relationship. Many of you are a result of ministries here. If I ask you, you'll tell me about the ministry, the minister who impacted you, the evangelist who shared with you the, the, the love of God. That's how far you can go. But... And of course, you started fellowship, and I know many of you have had or started a ministry with people. It was good, great, and dandy when it started. Down the road, the ministry spoiled or disappears. Why? It's not because the ministry, it's the relationship that was affected first. Because the relationship was impacted wrongly, then the ministry also is impacted wrongly. So we wanted to start a relationship, build a relationship. And ministry come out of that relationship. To this day, that is the core values we follow. And so I said, coming here, said, how did, how did actually Jesus install the kingdom of God in people's lives? So love. Love. Jesus did not leave any dogma. Why we are breathing and running around all over the world is because of the love of God and my friends have shared with you. If you don't have the love of God, you have no energy or a cause to go anywhere. That's what David said to Eliab, his brother, is there no cause in Israel? Let the cause that drives you around be the love of God. If you don't have the love of God, you will run around, but you will run short of energy, creativity. You will end up being the supply of everything you do. No, God is our supply. God is our resource for everything we need to do his kingdom on earth. So, it is my brother, one of the leaders. I don't hold them boards or bishop, but it's another one of them. A couple of you. We have talked about love. 
how do we really permeate the society with the love of god and this uh, you know the story we have uh, this building up here which we call the africa worship center someone asked me what how do you see what what do you see in this building do you know how what i see in this building a maternity ward the doctors would tell me this is going to be a maternity ward young generation will be born out of love and go out to their neighborhoods and societies and communities and share the love of god so our hope and desire here is not to just tell you a story but i am now 78 years old i hope i have i've grown wiser if i do it all over again i would start with love <laughs> i would really go around and you say how do you i say you know love doesn't bubble too much it just shows either you show it or you don't you can't fake love one of the greatest problems that we have today is we talk too much but we live very little too much preaching but too little action the dynamics of love is not felt because we are so noisy and people are tired or what we talk about which is not supported by how we live so as i close if i may uh, we can all stand up when we came back 16 years ago after something 35 years living outside you know one please we come from different nations but i want to tell you we have one gospel Don't ever allow the enemy or where you come from or your denominational background keep the truth away from you the truth of we love one another because he loved us and love does not know color or race so the kingdom of god is what we talk about and the machinery we spread the kingdom of god through the love of god If you don't have love to give I don't know what else would you you'd give <laughs> And somebody said love is not love until you give it away I pray that this week all through these testimonies that we have read the last two weeks you have a story to tell And the story is not just simply by talking but by giving by being an extension of the love of God the love of Jesus Christ through the people you touch you talk to you share you work with so what is beza here beza is a maternity word <laughs> i hope and is that the right word doctor yes and what happens in them there is a lot of crying right if you see a maternity word quiet there is problem babies are being born and there should be crying noise and if we make lots of noises i pray it's a noise of love a lot noise of caring for one another like you said you know the food bank helping the needy and you know love does not know denomination she love does not have any denominational boundary it crosses over 
So welcome to the club. Uh, I am t- you can tell I am tired of religion. But I'm excited about life. A life that comes through the love of God. Is an old man standing in front of you? No, no, I feel invigorated. I'm a young man. But I have great hopes and dreams. Out of this place will come lots of babies impacted by the love of God to impact their generation. That is the desire of our heart. Is that all right? You, you know what? You don't have to agree with us on this. <laughs> you are simply doing what we are told to do. I don't want to make a mistake again. And if I truly love people, I'm telling you that like, the chances of me going wrong is very small. It's only when I am not filled with God's love and mercy, then the ways of error will be bountiful. I'm determined and I want you to be determined. Don't worry about Beza or the name. Don't worry about the church service. And I said, can you be concentrated, Lord? How do I show your love to my generation? If this entity here does not live and die for that, then we have a big problem. But help us to be accountable. We are confessing this thing before you. He <laughs> said, no, we will live and live for love. And live and live for the kingdom of God. Amen. I hope that resonates, resonates something in the inside of you. And I pray, Lord, uh, this, this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is so real. It is not a denominational line. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. That's just one of the events. But I'm talking about your whole life being permeated, surrounded, penetrated by the power of the love of God. When you are full of the love of God, who are we to say, I'm going to speak this way or that way? Father God, we have tried our best to share what you have done in each of our lives. I pray the stories that we have heard, the testimonies that we have given in the last two Sundays will be so contagious to create a desire and hunger in each of our hearts. We would go out, Lord, to show forth about the church or the denomination, but rather to show forth with declaration and truth and honesty the power, the love of God. I pray, Father, more of your love will exude out of us and loss less of our oratory, our speech. The living Bible says talk is cheap. May our conversation this week not be cheap, but rather heavy because it is compounded with the power of the love of God as unctioned by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be open. Help us to be open, O oh God, so that as you come to invade our lives, we will allow you to have your way. We believe you and we thank you. We give you praise and honor. We magnify your holiness. You are worthy to receive our praise. 
there is no god like you father the rest of our days and our lives if nothing else father i pray that this thing would be imprinted in my brothers and sisters heart one wherever they go they carry the kingdom of god and that kingdom will be expressed through them by the power of god's love which is poured into our hearts by the power of the holy spirit now stretch out your hands and receive the blessings of the lord the lord bless you the lord shine his face upon you the lord give you strength grace and mercy as you go out into your community in society you will be given the humility the unction the wisdom of the holy spirit so that when you're squeezed out you would squeeze something of the love of god would juice out of you that your strength and your energy will be the power of the holy spirit the lord bless you with peace and the lord bless you with joy the lord will bless you with extra strength and energy and creativity in the days and months to come in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and all of god's people say amen give him praise give him praise give him praise praise god guys can we show our appreciation one more time to this precious people thank you for opening up and sharing your story you guys are precious and we love and appreciate you